0: my eyes to see your majesty To be still and know that you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness, word of God speak Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Wednesday version of The Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger. And today we are in Acts 19 and 20. And Paul is on his third mission trip. And on this mission trip, he's still doing a lot of mission work in Europe because the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go to Asia just yet. And so he starts off with Apollos in Corinth. And. While he's there, he's like asking the people that are the believers that just received this forgiveness of sins through the good news of Jesus Christ if they have received the Holy Spirit when they believed. And this is an interesting reply, they say. They say, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so he asks them, well, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized by the method of John. That'd be John the Baptist. And he says, well, John's baptism was the one that called for repentance. So that baptism, when we get baptized in water, which is John's baptism, that is, is an outward expression of an inward grace. That is an expression that says we have repented of our sins and asked Jesus to be in our heart. Baptism itself does not save us. Remember back in the Gospels, John the Baptist said, be baptized to show that you have been forgiven of your sins. And that's the key word, be baptized to show. So the key is we got to be baptized to show that we've been forgiven so that we can reflect that we've made this decision to ask Jesus into our hearts. But there is more. And so these people didn't realize there's more. And I believe today a lot of us don't realize there's more. But to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to ask for more. And in asking for more, we have to realize we're giving up more. We're giving up control. We're giving up the self. We're giving up all that we are, and we're realizing that. Jesus knows better than we or me. And we're saying, Lord, you can have all of me. And we're saying, sanctify me through and through. I give myself to you. And we let the Holy Spirit come in and just fill our body, take over everything we do, our thought processes, our actions, our reactions. And we commit to totally live for Jesus no more distractions no more things between us and God and so when the people heard about that Paul lays hands on them and prays over them which we can do that if so desired and they received the Holy Spirit and there was about 12 guys in all that received that so if you have not received the sanctifi- sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, we encourage you every day. If you've been saved, there's more, <laughs> and it's awesome, because when the Holy Spirit leads you through life, doesn't mean it's going to be easier, but it's great to know that he's right there leading you. So... Paul gets done there, and he goes to Ephesus. Now, remember, he's not really going to Asia yet, but yet Ephesus, if you look at it, is considered to be in Asia, but it's really on the Europe-Asia border, and it's of heavily Greco-Roman influence. And we get that real quick with a lot of things that happen there. So he gets to Ephesus, and he's preaching the word there. And there's some guys that, you know, it's still called the way, and he's preaching the word, and a lot of good things are happening. And so there's some people there that want to do what he does, but they don't do what Paul does with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They do it of the flesh. They do it on their own accord. They do it with their own way. So they're going around trying to heal people and see when Paul does it, it's in the name of Jesus, right? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul could heal people because he's given all authority, right? Uh, John fourteen twelve, Jesus says, All the things that I have done, you will do and more when the power of the Holy Spirit comes over you. And so Paul has that power, right? Well, these guys that are uh, going town to town, they try to do that. And when they do it, they say, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about, to come out. So they really aren't grounded in this Holy Spirit infilling. They're just kind of using the coattails of Paul. So to me, this sounds like they're saying it, but there's a hint of unbelief in there, and they're just hoping it works, right? And so one day they tried to do this, and one of the evil spirits that they were trying to cast out speaks back to them. I don't know about you, but that would scare the mess out of me. And so one of the evil spirits says, I know Jesus. So there you go. There's a difference between knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him because even the evil spirits know who Jesus is. And I know Paul. And they're saying this to one of these guys who's going around trying to do this stuff. And you aren't either one of them. And so then the evil spirit leaps on the man, or the men, the whole group, and attacks them and overpowers them and starts whooping on them. And this scared these guys, and of course it would scare me too. And they left the house naked and battered and scared to death. So when this story goes through the town of Ephesus to all the Jews and the Greeks alike, remember it's on the border, fear descended on the city, and then the name of the Lord was greatly honored. So that's when they figured out we're not going to make a mockery of this. This is not to be (laughs) made taken lightly. In the name of Jesus, we need to be listening. So what happened was, the ones that were practicing sorcery, the ones that were practicing witchcraft, the ones that were practicing things that were coming against the name of Jesus, they brought all their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. And the value of the books were seven million or several million dollars. So the people that were doing things that were taunting evil spirits that were taunting with evil that were going against the will of God they just got rid of it all and burned it all and got away from it all and so the Lord's message spread widely there in this town of Ephesus and more people came to know him so then Paul feels compelled by the spirit because he's following the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit leads him to go over to Macedonia and Achaï before going to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is in Asia, and he knows that Asia's gonna bring great persecution to him, which is why the Holy Spirit didn't let him go right away anyway, because he's got work to do. So... About that time, there's some trouble developing again in in Ephesus, and it starts with this guy named Demetrius, and I know a few Demetriuses, and he, you know, all these people are starting to believe in God, right, believe in Jesus, because they've seen these great healings, they've seen how if you disrespect the name of Jesus, things can happen. So there's great followers of the way going on right now. And so what happens is people aren't buying the goddess Artemis artifacts or idols, which Demetrius is a silversmith who makes those. So he stirs up a big riot. And so in the riot, they go and they grab Gaius and... Aristarchus who are Paul's traveling companions for this trip and they drag him to the amphitheater and they're all shouting great is Artemis of the Ephesians because their belief is that one day out of the sky this image of Artemis fell to the ground and so that's why they believe that Artemis is their god and so they're having this great big upheaval. They want to destroy Gaius and Aristicus. And the uh, the leaders, the the what do they call this the mayor? He comes out and he says, "The governor." Let's just call him the governor. He comes out and he says, "Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa! Stop!" Because, I mean, it's it's full-blown ready to be a riot for this. Demetrius has got the whole city stirred up. And he says, if these guys haven't done anything for this to happen, and if Demetrius has something he wants to complain about, let him make formal charges. And if he's got complaints of any other matters, he can settle them in a legal assembly. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to be charged for rioting by the Roman government. And since we have no cause for this commotion that you all are doing, when Rome demands an explanation, we won't have one. So y'all need to settle down (laughs) and go home. Well, he got their attention with that because they don't want the Roman government coming in. And doing, because, you know, they're harsh. And so when he put them into the reality moment, they all dispersed and left and went their own way. So after this happens and they got everything calmed down, Paul goes and talks to all the believers again and encourages them. And then he leaves again for Macedonia. And he goes there, and then he goes to Trous, and he goes to a few other little towns. And then he meets with the Ephesian elders. So the church of Ephesus that he planted, he goes back and he meets with them again after he visits all these other little places around Europe. And what he's doing is he's going back to all the churches he planted so he can encourage them. And while he was in Trous, he's encouraging those leaders and they're in the upstairs room, they're having the Lord's Supper, you know, they're having communion, there's a guy sitting in a windowsill named Eutychus and he falls asleep. Now we all have those people in church that'll fall asleep no matter how loud you are as a pastor and sometimes I can be loud. But what's interesting is this guy sitting in like a second story windowsill, falls asleep, oh, it's three stories, my fault, and falls to his death, so they say. So remember, Paul has the power of the Holy Spirit in him and he goes downstairs, cradles the man in his arms and says, this man is not dead, he's fine. And so they go back upstairs and have the Lord's Supper. And that so reminds me when I see that, because this man falls three stories to his death, that's in the Bible, it's in there, chapter 20, uh, verse nine, and then verse 10, Paul goes down, bends over him, took him in his arms, don't worry, he said, he's alive. And then they go upstairs and have the Lord's Supper. Do you know what kind of confidence that has to have in your faith to just go on about your business after you know that you've prayed over something and it's all fine? You can have no unbelief whatsoever in what you're praying over to go on about your business because you know that you know that the Lord is going to. Intervene and it's all gonna be okay. Now this this is a true story. My father is one of five sons, and when they were little, his brother when they were little. Now I'm talking toddler age. Some of them were because there's five of them, so they're not five toddlers, but they're not separated by much. So I would say like five, seven years old down to like one, let's just say. And you do the spread because there's five of them. One of them got under the cabinet of the kitchen sink and drank something like Drano, let's just call it that. And, of course, he got deathly ill from drinking it, falls on the floor, looks like he's in an unsurvivable mode like this story here. And this all takes place while my grandmother is having a women's Bible study in her kitchen, dining room. The older brother goes and tells their mom that, hey, so-and-so has just got under the sink. You got to go check him because he's not moving. So she goes over, puts two and two together, sees what's happening. The women all go pray over this young boy who looks like he's fixing to die. And they have this Holy Spirit come down over him, meeting in the kitchen over her son. And they pray down heaven over him for healing And then they go back to their Bible study while he's still laying on the floor. And within a minute or so, this boy, her young son, gets up and runs off and just starts playing again. End of story. He's healed. He's totally fine. He was totally fine for the rest of his life. He lives on and is good. And so when that story is told later, people ask her, well, how did you... How could you do that? How could you just go back to your Bible study when he's still laying on the floor? And my grandma, her words, and I have to think Paul thought the same thing. Her words were, I just knew. I mean, come on. How many of us can pray for something and walk away and just know that God is going to take care of it and be good in it. That's the life of her young son. And she had five young sons. You know how valuable your kids are to you. She had the blessed assurance that the Holy Spirit was over him, that God was going to heal him, that God had healed him. She claimed it. She received it, she claimed it, she lived it, she watched it, and it happened right there. So if anything, man, I'm excited over that, if you can't tell, because it happened. And for her to have that blessed assurance and knowledge and knowing the power of the Holy Spirit, I just knew, she said. And they went back and finished their Bible study, and then my uncle, who was her little son at the time, just got up and started playing and did his thing now anybody can cast shadows of doubts over this whole thing oh well maybe it really wasn't what it was but yes it was and there's plenty of witness to say so but there's plenty of witness to say that jesus came on the scene the holy spirit was there and this was huge and so in this story we have it in writing that he fell three stories to his death. But then Paul went out, got him in his arms, and then he obviously prayed over him and said he's alive. And then because they knew everything was good, they went up and finished the Lord's Supper. And then it says in verse 12, meanwhile the young man was taken home alive and well, and everybody was greatly relieved. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. That's awesome. So then Paul goes and visits a couple more places, but then he, before he goes to Jerusalem, he comes back to the Ephesus elders, meets with them again, and he just tells them, you know, hey, you know, when I was here, uh, I met with you, and I did a lot of the work for the Lord humbly, and now i'm bound by the spirit to go to jerusalem which i know is going to bring me jail time and suffering because the lord has pointed that out to me but here's what paul says my life is worth nothing to me unless i use it for finishing the work assigned me by the lord jesus which is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of god how often did Jesus say something similar to that when he was walking the earth? How often did Jesus say, my words are not my own, but those of the Father. My work here is only what the Father sends me to do. And when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, he said himself that I am here only for the Father to be glorified so that you may believe in the one he sent. So Paul is really living out what Jesus lived out because Paul is truthfully doing what Jesus said. Unless you want to f- take up your cross and give up your life, you can never have your a life with me. And if you give up your life, then you will have life. And Paul is seeing that. So he keeps meeting, talking with him and telling him that, um, uh, He's, you know, I've been faithful. I've tried to do everything. I've tried to share the thing with you and uh, the gospel message with you. And so he gives them encouragement. Guard yourselves. Guard against the false witnesses, the false prophets. And watch out because there's some even amongst you that are going to try to twist things once I leave. Don't get caught up in that because now I'm going to entrust you to God in this message and pray over you that you are built up in the one truth that God gives. And remember, it's blessed, you're more blessed to give than to receive. So when Paul finishes speaking that, he prays with them, he embraces them, gives them all good hugs, and. And says goodbye to them. And most of them, you know, were sad. Because they knew they'd never see him again. And they escort him down to the ship. And that's how it closes out today. So what we got to do is remember. The big thing today is if you've been saved today, know that the Holy Spirit is there for you too. And you got to ask him. Lord, come into my life. And when we receive that infilling of the Holy Spirit, that's when we say, Lord, take control of my life. Because I know I don't want to be going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I want all of you so you can have all of me. And when the Spirit comes over you, you will receive great power. Jesus said that. That doesn't mean we're powerful people. That just means... He gives us a new strength in him that others don't know. So we can endure more because he'll have us do more. So have a great Wednesday. I hope you had a great rest yesterday and we caught up. But know that that second means a grace. And... Receiving the Holy Spirit through entire sanctification is yours just for the asking. Have a great Wednesday, we'll see you God speak you pour down like rain washing my